10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Welcome to the podcast from Doug Ground Up Productions with hosts Lady Miz and Ray. This, 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 this is a universal platform and there is nothing off limits. We talk about it all and we keep it real. This is a no judgment zone. So come, so as, you come are. as you are. If you are a professional, entertainer, author, comedian, entrepreneur, or just someone who wants to get something off their chest, we'll let your voice be heard here on From the Ground Up Productions. Sponsorship and other opportunities are available from The Ground Up Productions. Turning nothing into something. There's only one way to go from here. Here And now, here are your hosts, Lady Miz and Ray. Yeah, yeah, what's good, people? It's your girl, Lady Miz, and I'm here with the one and only... Ray, what's up, y'all? What's good? You tuned in the ground up production and there is only one way to go from here what's good people you already know we normally on 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 mondays but today is friday so we do do pop-up shows when necessary and this is definitely definitely a necessary reason to do a pop-up show today we have a special guest by the name of kenneth chamberlain jr he is the son of kenneth Chamberlain Sr., who was murdered by White Plains Police Department. And sadly, there has been no justice served. We're going to be talking to this brother very shortly. Um, and I want you guys to make sure that you share this link right now. We are live streaming on YouTube and we are live streaming on Roku at this very moment. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to this channel and hit the notification button. Before we get into this interview, we first want to play two clips, two commercials, and then we'll be right back to bring this brother on. So the first commercial we're going to get into is our Roku network show, um, I mean commercial, so that anybody that's out there that's a content creator that wants to get on our network, they can submit their stuff by doing so. So let's get into that real quick. Are you a content creator? Do you make music videos, short films, documentaries, web series, kids shows, movies, stand-up comedy, visual podcast, educational shows, or sports? Are you a fitness instructor or gamer? Do you record church ceremonies or report news? If so, contact From the Ground Up Productions TV by email at fromthegroundupproductions at gmail.com. For more information on getting your content played on our network on Roku, where there are over 85 million viewers and growing. No more being limited or blocked on social media from the content you post and create. Get the freedom to be you without restrictions from controlled social media. And if you want to run your ads or sponsor our network, contact us now at fromthegroundupproductions at gmail.com to get started now.
Yes, yes, yes. So anybody's looking to get their content on From the Ground Up Productions TV on Roku, you can send an email to From the Ground Up Productions TV at gmail.com and we, we will look over it and then uh, give you the information you need in the packages. Next, we have Peace Mentoring. Anybody out there that's looking for workshops to build your credit, to learn how to start a podcast, to write a book, and several other things, you can go to Peace Mentoring llc.com and we're going to get into that commercial right now looking to learn something new well you're one click away from taking that next step to be where you want to be book a private session or sign up for our workshop classes that teaches you how to build your credit budget your money artist development skills start and grow a podcast and the basic skills needed to write your first book act now go to peacementoringllc.com and sign up now for private sessions, email us at peacementoringllc at gmail.com. All right, y'all, we're about to get into this. You're now tuned in. You're now tuned in. To From the Ground Up Productions. Broadcasting around the world. Around the world. All right, y'all. So we're about to get into this interview. So let's welcome Kenneth Chamberlain Jr. to the show. How are you? Hey, Kenneth Jr. How are you? How you doing, brother? I'm hanging in there. How about yourself? We're doing pretty good. We're doing pretty good. Uh, we want to thank you for taking the time out to come talk with us. And, uh, you know, uh, we want to send our condolences to you and your family for your loss. We just want to let you know that any way that we could support that we are here. I appreciate that. I, I want to thank you guys for having me because it was you guys that reached out to me after hearing about it. So I definitely appreciate it. Yes, absolutely. And and shout out to Doug Oliver because he definitely brought this to our attention. Um, so we definitely want to uh, thank him also for making sure that he yeah. was able to put this together and connect, connect us with you. So um, the first thing I, I, I guess I would want how I would want to approach it is it's been about 10 years, correct? Since um, the, the murder of your father. Well, this November 19th makes 10 years. So, this, yeah, so we're still in the nine-year nine mark, but um, November 19th, 2021 will make 10 years since my father was killed. Okay, so this November coming up. All right. And um, before we get into details, I have to ask you, how, how are you dealing with this? Because there has been no justice served at this point point in time. So I guess my question to you is, how do you deal with this? Are you able to have any type of closure at all? Well, you can never really have closure in a situation like this. When you start talking about extrajudicial killings and summary executions of men and women at the hands of law enforcement, um, I think a big mistake that some people will say is that, and this too shall pass. It, it never passes. You're forever thinking about it. And when you're fighting a system of government that places no value on your life anyway, um, you can't begin to look at uh, closure in any form. So I tell people at this point right now, 
we're we're at the 10 year mark a decade there there is no justice for kenneth chamberlain senior so i just hope for some type of accountability now right okay, yeah absolutely absolutely so you released um a movie september 17th which is in selected theaters and it's also on streaming platforms for people to go and watch this movie is based on the, on the murder of your father can you tell me how what what made you want to do this movie and how did you get the people involved such as morgan freeman well you know i guess the, the short answer i would say you know prayer changes things you know um it it, it definitely does because from the day that my father was killed, I had been asking people to help me. I I was lost. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to turn. Um, I have a great legal team, but I still, the question was, how do I get this out into the public eye for people to know what happened to my father? And um, I received the inbox one day from David Medell, who is uh, a writer and a director, a film director. He said he was looking for the family of Kenneth Chamberlain Sr. I said, this is his son. How can I help you? He said, you know, I've been following your case. I see that, you know, you're not getting the attention that you deserve around the killing of your father. I want to help you. Oh, I asked him, well, how do you do that? You know, he said, I make films. I want to make a movie about your dad. So I put him in touch with my attorneys. Um, instead of him having to foil the information through freedom of information, we gave him court transcripts and documents and, you know, all the paperwork that we had as it pertained to the killing of my father. But everything that we gave him was available through freedom of information. We did not give him anything confidential. He put together a script. He sent it back to me. I read it. I gave him the thumbs up. Next thing you know, he calls me back and he says, uh, guess who wants to play the role of your father? And I said, who? He said, Frankie Faison. I said, coming to America, Frankie Faison? <laughs> he said, yes. I said, wow. Commissioner Burrell from The Wire, Frankie Faison? <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, he said, exactly. And I said, great. I mean, I was, I was happy about that. And... Um, and then, you know, after the movie was done, I was actually on the set. Um, we filmed in Illinois, in a small town in Illinois. And after we filmed it, we obviously didn't have anybody that would pick it up. They sent it to Revelations Entertainment. Morgan Freeman saw it and said, oh, no, we've got to do something about this. Uh, I, want, I want to help push it. And he came on as executive producer. And wow. who we are today. Wow, wow, that's 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 beautiful. Thank God for them for stepping up for Morgan Freeman and Frankie. I mean, I think that's just so beautiful to get these other people involved to want to be a part of trying to seek justice and get the word out there. And I would say they did a great job on the movie because it it it, it works on all of your emotions. Oh, it really yeah. did. And uh, you know this. You know, you hear about it on the news, but to see the movie on and you see the way it was portrayed, it, I mean, it angered me. I, I was, and I, you know, it's hard to get me that emotional. And I was upset when I, after I saw the movie, mm -hmm. extremely. So they did a really good job in getting that voice out there to be heard. 
Yes, absolutely. Yes. Now, let me ask you something. Do you feel like in the beginning, um, I know you said that you were doing this before and it, like nobody would pick it up. Do you feel like this didn't get enough media attention in the beginning? Well, absolutely not. Uh, and, and it's interesting because initially the head, this is why it's so important when these types of incidents happen. It's about narratives. And of okay. course, the government or, or the city of White Plains put this narrative out there immediately. And the headlines read, White Plains police shoot and kill who they believe to be an emotionally disturbed man after he attacked officers with a knife or hatchet and a butcher's knife. Mm -hmm. The headline should have read, White Plains police shoot and kill 68-year-old black man who they were dispatched to check on his safety and well-being. That's what it should have said because you were responding to a possible medical emergency, not a crime in progress. And this is where the problem is. So from the very beginning, I was trying to get people to help me. You know, you don't know what to do when, when tragedy strikes. You're lost. Right. You know, it's right. where, where do I go? Who do I right. talk to? You know, of course, people are are yelling out some of the more notable activists who have been in this fight for a while and saying you need to reach out to these people. But again, no one came to assist me. So I had to sit back and I said to myself, well, how can I get some attention? Well, I have a lot of friends on social media. So I began to post on social media and ask people to share it. And they began to share the information out. And I ended up on Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman and Juan Gonzalez. Once I got on there and they began to talk about it, by the time we finished the show, the phone was ringing off the hook. All the different media outlets now want to interview me. They want to talk about it. But it took Democracy Now! It took social media and Democracy Now! to push it. So that's what I've been doing because I am not financially able to fight this city and just throw millions of dollars behind something to constantly try to fight them. It's it's very difficult for families like mine. Right. So that's what that's what I did. Okay. Okay. Wow. Wow. It's so funny that, you know, sometimes it, first of all, before I even say that, Social media, people don't understand that it's so important to spread the word. Like it has to take people spreading the word and talking about it and their strength in numbers. So if, if one person remains quiet and silent and just look and bypass it, that doesn't help. It's important for people to speak up and share it because you never know who else might hear it it might be able to help and do something. So I'm glad that you were able to get to the point to be on that show and it opened the door for you to now, you know, have what you have going on here. Um, let me talk to you about the life alert. How do you feel about that? Because do you think that the police are the right people that's supposed to show up on the scene when someone is having a crisis or a situation like that, if they're sick or, you know, that's supposed to be there to help the person so they can a wellness check. Do you think that the police are the proper people to show up for something like that? So here's the, here's the thing with that. Now I tell people when the police respond, they, they are first responders. So I can't okay. say that they shouldn't, but 
in a situation like that, they should not be taking the lead when you're responding to a medical emergency. It should be paramedics, or if you know the person is suffering from a mental health crisis, it should be a social worker, some type of clinician who is better trained at de-escalating a person that's having a crisis at that time. What a lot of police officers forget is that your job is to defuse a situation, not create one. And what they did that day or that morning, as people say, it, it wasn't a crime until they made it one. Right. You see, so Absolutely. you were responding to a medical emergency, not a crime in progress. You came to the door and you knocked on the door. My father came to the door. He said he was okay and he didn't call you, but you insisted that he let you in. Now we right. know that there are only three times a police officer can come into your home. He has to have a warrant. He has to have permission or he has, it has to be exigent circumstances. He has to believe that if he does not make entry into your home, somebody is in danger inside there. Right. right. So he didn't have any of those, but yet and still, they still took the door off his hinges, fired an electronic taser at him, a beanbag shotgun four times, and then they shot him and killed him, alleging that he posed an imminent threat. Now, I have to ask, um, the, the life of the life aid or life alert that, that happened, did they make changes after this to say, hey, you know, so the stuff like this don't happen again when they call? Do you know of that? No, I, I have no idea what life aid has done, if they put any other protocols in place or anything like that. But I will say, had it not been for their recording, we wouldn't have known what happened because mm. the police already put their version of events out there. But it was the Life Aid company that called and said, Mr. Chamberlain, we recorded the entire incident. Wow. So the wow. county, So the county quickly subpoenaed it because they didn't want me to have it. And it was at that time when we sat in the DA's office and we're listening to the audio and you hear them yelling and screaming at him. You hear them mocking his military service. You hear him at one point when he says, I'm telling you I'm all right. You hear an officer say, I don't give a F in word, open the door. So yes. it was at that point I said, okay, um, I need to get this out there. And I had to hurry up and put it out there. So in May of 2012, when they came back with no true bill in the killing of my father, they asked the district attorney at that time, who was Janet DeFiore, who was now the New York State Chief Judge of the Court of Appeals. They asked her, what about the racial slur that was hurled at Mr. Chamberlain before he was killed? She said, yes, it was used, but it was used as a tactic to distract him. I have never in my life ever heard that a racial slur being hurled at someone was used as a tactic to distract them. Mm, mm, mm. This is now I understand it, it's I, I seen that uh what's her name? Mimi Roca, if I'm speaking her name right, has decided to reinvestigate it. So she has um called in um a former federal judge and his team. And they're taking a second look at the case. Um, she has not promised anything, and I didn't expect her to. Um, but I want them to look at it to see if it was presented fairly. 
And if it wasn't, then I'm sure that there has to be something criminal there that she can charge these officers with. And what's important is we know the grand jury proceedings are secret. I would like to see those grand jury minutes because I want to see what the former DA, Janet DeFiore, even gave the grand jury to consider. Because even if you remember, even in the Breonna Taylor situation, they never even mentioned her name in the grand jury proceedings. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So this is why they grand jury proceedings should not be secret. Absolutely. You know, they say it's for the safety of the people who may testify, but you're still going to see that during discovery. And if you decide to take it to trial, you're going to know who said what. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, with uh, Janet DeFiori being the state attorney, right? If this, if if she, if the district attorney now does find something, does she play a role in changing anything or making something not happen? Well, she's the chief judge, so she is the highest judge in New York State right now in the Court of Appeals. So I don't know if she would end up playing a role. I know that. She has commented saying that everything was investigated fairly. But my question is, if that's the case, why are you so upset that the current DA is even taking a second look? Because if you did nothing wrong, you have nothing to worry about. That's right. Right. That's right. That's right. You know, oh, this, now, this, this, this is, oh, I'm ahead. sorry. No, I, want okay. to, I want to get on an officer because I understand the officer that actually shot your father had a prior incident with uh, police brutality. Correct. And that was that was not even brought up. Or, or how does what's it, is it does qualified immunity actually play a role in your father not getting the justice that he deserves? Well, so originally when they threw the case out in 2016 and found for the city, uh, yes, it was based on qualified immunity. Basically, what they're saying, in short, is that it's frivolous. There's, it makes no sense. There was no need for you to even bring this into the courtroom. But we uh, filed an appeal with the Second Circuit. And the Second Circuit overturned the decision in June of uh, 2020. And one of the most powerful decisions that the judges made in that decision is they said, Instead of treating Mr. Chamberlain like a critically ill patient, you treated him like a criminal suspect. That's right. So it's back in now on the the, uh, less lethal excessive force. And uh, I forgot what else. But basically, all of that information and all of that evidence that the judge originally threw out, it comes back in now. Mm. Okay. Because it's so important to hear... What led up to my father being killed? So, for instance, in the first trial, they would allow the city to play clips of my father yelling and screaming at the police officers. Hmm. But they would not allow us to play the clips of the police officers yelling and screaming at my father. How is that fair? You know, my thing is, is that, look, put all the evidence in. And let people come back with a fact-based conclusion one way or the other. Exactly. Yeah, yes. Exactly. 
Now, you know, we, we like I said, our family, we sat down, we watched this movie together. Again, I'm going to tell you, um, and I got to give it to you for standing strong and continuing to fight. It was very difficult for us to watch it and even get through it. So I could just imagine, one, how your father was feeling at that moment of going through that when it's difficult for someone just to watch someone else go through that. Um, what we seen was a man fighting that for his life, in, in a sense, a man that was in his own home, a man that fought for this country, a veteran that fought for this country who had some mental health issues, right? But the one thing that he had against him was that he was black. Mm -hmm. And that right there seems to be the never ending story for people like us. So what I want to do really quickly is play the clip for the, of the, um, the trailer for people to see. And again, I want to keep and tell you guys to go out there to make sure you support, watch this movie, stream it. However, do not stream it for free. I'm going to tell y'all that right now. Okay. Make sure y'all go out there, you stream it and, um, go and support because at the end of the day, when we see stuff like this happen, um, pay attention when Trayvon Martin, that situation, people stood behind that man even though he was guilty and wrong, okay? There's strength in numbers. People got to remember that. So you have to remember that if you do not support, that affects us in the long run because what affects you affects us. It affects us all. So let's get into this uh, trailer real quick. deal with seeing this over and over because I know I, I've seen you on TMZ and CNN all of these and you know we constantly are playing this and you have to watch this over and over how do you deal with that well I've told people you know and I, I've said this several times that um, I have not properly mourned my father's death uh, because from the day that he was killed I've been fighting I've been, you know, some of the things that people do and say around the killing of a loved one, I mean, very rude and disparaging comments, devaluing. I can remember reading something where uh, someone referred to my father as Jack Nicholson from The Shining. I mean, a lot of, a lot of different things. And I really had to stop reading those things. But it 
I know that I've only been doing what I know my father would do for me if the roles were reversed. Um, and we always talk about leading by example. So part of that means that you may end up having to do some things that you don't feel comfortable doing. And, and you have to just stand in that gap. And, and that's what I'm doing. I'm also not ashamed to admit that uh, I am in therapy. I suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. One of my last memories of my father is seeing him at the hospital with a bullet in him, dead. So, you know, but again, I just... I'm I'm here and I, and I, and I'm and I'm still standing, you know. And I know that that's that's with the help of God as well, because I know that I would not be if it were not for Him. Okay, all right, and continue to stand and stay strong. Um, and we will you will always be in our prayers because this is it, it's it's difficult, but I just got to keep fighting for justice. Since we're talking about justice, let me ask you this. In a system that was never made to protect people like us, where does your faith lie when it comes to dealing with this and actually getting justice? Well, see, here's the thing, and, and I've said this before, that there, 10 years now, there is no justice for Kenneth Chamberlain. So although I'm still fighting the case, my direction has changed to trying to get legislation passed, standing with other families who don't know how to navigate through this system, um, doing uh, speaking engagements, things like that, being a part of, of, of forums on not just what do you do if you're stopped by the police, but how do you survive a law enforcement encounter? Um, because as a, as a friend of mine would say, when you're dealing with situations like this, there are only three degrees of separation. You either know the victim, know somebody that knows the victim, or the victim is a family member. So we have to change this mindset of it's not my problem until it's my problem. Yes. You know, and, yes. and we have to get involved. 85% of my support base in White Plains is not black. It's white. Wow. Out of the black people that support me, 90% are women, not men. Mm. You know, I asked the men to come out, but for some reason, many of them don't. But when I appeal to the ladies and I ask the ladies to come out, you're nurturers, you're mothers, whether you have children or not. And when you're looking at the situation, you're saying, wow, that could be my child. That could be my father. That could be my husband. You know, so you're saying, you know what? Let me stand with this brother. And I come from that belief of you want for your brother and sister what you want for yourself. So I would hope that now, given the current climate with everything that's going on, that people will come out. We say justice for George Floyd. But right here in Westchester County, Westchester County has its own George Floyds. That's right. So we need to address those. You have Kamal Flowers. You have Jonathan Maldonado. You have Kenneth Chamberlain Sr. You have DJ Henry. You have, uh, I can't remember uh, the gentleman in the Rochelle. There was another gentleman um, 
I think his last name was Ortiz or Cruz. I can't remember. But there is a list of individuals who have been killed by law enforcement right here in Westchester County. And people act like it doesn't happen here. These are not isolated incidents. One of the biggest things we have to understand is you need to have prosecutors who are not afraid to prosecute police officers for committing these crimes. Absolutely. We have a New York State Attorney General, Letitia James. She has been charged with investigating these types of uh, crimes. But unfortunately, she has not done anything for families that have been impacted by police violence. Now, someone tried to say when I made that statement before, oh, you're bashing the New York State Attorney General. I am not bashing her. They said you are trash talking. Absolutely not. I said I am fact talking because if she says or if you can tell me anything that she has done for families like mine, then I stand corrected and I'm man enough to say I made an error. I made a mistake and I apologize. But right now, all she does is read from the same playbook as her predecessors. And right. we all know when it comes to situations like this, what do we hear when they do the press conference? After an exhaustive investigation, mm. the grand jury has determined that there is not sufficient enough evidence to charge the officer in the killing of, and then you can add the name. And you know what? It's it's so sad because with that, they and I guess maybe I don't know if that's their job, but they always look for reasons to try to make it look like that person uh, caused yes. that issue to happen when really it's the uh, unexperienced. I don't even know. They're not experienced properly to be on the police force doing stuff like that, because like you said, they're there to de-escalate. But they they when I'm watching that movie, I'm like. It was getting on my nerves how much they was begging on the door. If you have a seven-year-old man in his home and he tells you that he's okay, the life alert people alert the police and tell them to cancel it. All of these things are going on. It's like, why keep pursuing it? But, you know, going back to what you said, I, I and this is, look, I, I have to tell you how I feel about the system. I don't really trust it. I'm still here um, and I will continue to be here. And I'm urging everybody that's tuning in now to tell other people to stand up and be a part of this. Let's stand behind this brother with what he have going on for justice for his father. Don't just be here. Don't just talk about it. Don't just post. Be a part of it. But I'm going to tell you how I feel about the system. I think when it gets to that very top, the very top, who's up there? making that decision and do they think like the same ones that did what they did i'd be afraid of stuff like that because i i and, and this is where i say uh where's the faith at in the, in the system that was never made to protect us because if it's going up and up and up and rank to um whoever it is what is it called when you when you go up and take it to um is it the supreme court I forget. I'm yes. sorry. I, I don't. I, I I can't remember the the steps. But mm -hmm. once it gets up to that person that uh, oversees everything, how do you know if this person doesn't have the same heart and the same mentality of that person that pulled that trigger? 
See, you really don't know. But in terms of with, with, with policing, we know that you have your, your patrolmen's and then you have those captains and those chiefs and those commissioners. And that's that old guard. And they have an old way of seeing things and an old way of policing. So you, we can look at the police officers, the patrolmen, you can kind of look at them as children. And these chiefs and these, these higher ups, their superiors as being their parents or the older, older brother. You see the older brother climb the tree. The little brother wants to climb the tree. You see, so they're only emulating what they see other people get away with. And this is why it's so important that accountability is the main thing. And as you said, they'll try to make the person that they kill, they'll try to make you look like a suspect rather than a victim. They, they do that. But see, here's the thing. I don't care if you say, the person was believed to have had a gun or they said the person had a knife or they said this or they said that. My question is, is at the time that you decided to take this person's life, were they an imminent threat to life at that time? If you shoot them in the back, they're not an imminent threat. If they're running away from you, they're not an imminent threat. If they don't have a weapon in their hand, they're not an imminent threat. And they tried to say, even for instance, with my father's case, that he was charging an officer with a knife. So they said the knife was raised above his head and he was going after the officer. But the medical examiner said that that's impossible by the uh, the entrance of the, of the bullet, that the bullet yeah. went in his arm and went across. So... If his arm was raised above his head, it would have gone under his arm, not through his arm. So that's a lie right there. Okay? Mm. So these are the types of things that you have to deal with. But unfortunately, like we said, there is a system of government in place that places no value on black or brown life. From the Dred Scott decision on, when a chief judge said a black man has no rights by which a white person is bound to respect. And this is what we see. So this is why the fight is so hard. And this is why I tell families, don't give up. Fight. Stay in the fight. Because the fact that I won the appeal, what did I do? I created case law that another family can use. So when they, if they're in court and they can say, no, Your Honor, because in in Chamberlain versus the city of White Plains, uh, that decision was overturned by the Second Circuit Court of Appeals with for this reason, and they can use it. Mm, okay. Now, I, you say you're you're trying to help change the laws. How do you go about doing that? And how how do people like myself who who and how we can get involved with helping you change these laws? See, so when when you're talking about legislation we have to do what? Like, for instance, in here, go to our legislators. That's why local elections are so very important. You can't just say, oh, I voted for the president. That means absolutely nothing to me. Who did you vote for on your local level? Did you vote for your legislators? Did you vote for your congressmen or congresswomen? Did you vote for your common council people? Did you vote for your mayor? You know, these are what's important. 
because this is where some of the laws can be made. So, for instance, like I explained to someone the other day out here in Westchester County, if you go to a, con uh, a legislators meeting here, if 20 people went inside there, you'd pack out the hall because the hall is not that big. But see, they have to see numbers in order to understand that you're serious. Absolutely. Now, we have to understand, like, for instance, in White Plains, I don't know the demographics in other cities, but in White Plains, African-Americans is about maybe a, a little over 11%. That's almost close to 7,000 people in the city of White Plains compared to almost 35, 36,000 white people in the city of White Plains. Mm. So I don't know. Maybe the mayor doesn't feel in White Plains that that's important, but he will say that Black Lives Matter, not because he believes it, he says it because it's politically advantageous. And then some of the black people, I'm sorry to say, fall for the old okie doke and believe that what he that he's good for the city. I said, no, he has failed this city. His leadership is compromised. And when leadership is compromised, it must change. Yes. Mm, mm, mm. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, okay. my God. Um. Now. Okay. Uh, well, well, I, I just ha wanted to make this statement because knowing that these police officers was using racial slurs and certain things that they were doing at that moment, um, it really showed that they was there with a certain agenda and a certain mindset. You know, I'm not sure if this was the officer's exact words, but an, in the movie, an officer says, if you open up any one of these doors, you're going to find drugs, stolen merchandise, and prostitution. They look at all of us like that, no matter what the situation is. Now, does that happen? Of course it does. It happens everywhere, though, not just in black neighborhoods. But the thing is, they just see us like that. So when they come out on these calls, they already have a certain type of mindset in a prejudgment before they even get there. So this is exactly why I feel the outcome happened the way it did. Um, I'll, I'll say this. It, it, what we see now is these police officers that have a bias already. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've heard a lot of people say, well, you know, we need to have police officers get regular mental health checkups. Mm -hmm. But as much as you do, a reg it yeah. gives a cop out to the police officer who does that on a regular basis, because a bias is not a mental health checkup. A bias, the mental health checkup is just a, an excuse. Their mentality for when they do something is an excuse for their bias. And what we first have to do is change the bias or get people who are not biased. Unfortunately, that's a difficult task, but we cannot leave. We cannot use these cops' mental health as an excuse for why they do what they do. And, you know, I, I, it just it bothers me when I hear people say that. It's like, oh, these, these cops and their mental health, no way. They, they, if they get there, they have to be, it has to be mandated that they do regular mental health checkups and also bias training, extensive bias training because it's, these situations always happen and it always happens with a cop who's done it before. Mm -hmm. This is never a cop. You know, you see it one, 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 you know, it might be the first time, but every time it's happened, it's been a history and it's not being checked. So let me, let me, um,
break down the, the, the mental health piece a little bit because I've often talked about um, mental health and, and police officers. I've talked about it from the perspective that when they encounter people in the street, a lot of times they're dealing with individuals who suffer from mental illness. So you have to know how to talk them down. Most police officers are reactive. They're not proactive. Okay. Um, they're usually responding or feeling like they're responding to situations when it's at a point where it has escalated, but that's not always the case. When I talk about the mental health of the officer, I'm saying that we don't know what that officer has dealt with since he got on the job to three months after that, to six months after that, to a year, and so on. So the only time a police officer does any type of psychological testing is right before they're hired. So mm -hmm. there has to be a consistent psych testing as long as you're on the job. And it is the hope that the clinician, whoever the psychologist or psychiatrist is that's evaluating them, it's going to pick up and say, hey, something's not right here. And we have to look at consistent patterns of behavior. You're beating two Jordanian brothers and you're calling them ragheads. Were you disciplined? Not really. And then you were allowed to go right back out in the street. And this time you ended up killing a man by the name of Kenneth Chamberlain Sr. So when I talk about mental health of the officer, I'm speaking on it from that perspective. We also talk about, um, people will talk about civilian complaint review boards. Are they good? They're good if they have subpoena power. If they don't, then it's just a waste of time. What we want to do is we want to have officers that are licensed. The same way uh, a lawyer is licensed to practice law, police officers should be licensed to enforce the law. And if it is found that they are guilty of misconduct, brutality, and criminality, then they lose their license. And when they lose their license, they can no longer be a police officer anywhere because many of them will lose their job here and go to another city and become a police yes. officer. Yeah. So they, they should be licensed again. And then, you know, like I said, the mental health, but we have to educate our community. As I said before, not just what do you do if you're stopped by the police? How do you survive a law enforcement encounter? Because my hands up would get me killed, my hands down would get me killed, okay? Whether I'm dressed like this or in a t-shirt with my hat turned back, it'll still get me killed. Why? Because as you said earlier, Lady Miss, you can't change your skin color. There's nothing you can do about that. So this is why these are some of the things that we're putting in place. But training is fine. You have to do ongoing training. But at the end of the day, all of that means absolutely nothing if you do not have prosecutors who are going to charge these officers when they commit these offenses. And kudos to the current Westchester County District Attorney because she has been doing that. She has been charging these officers. And I know that she's not well-liked by police unions and everything, but... She is doing exactly what she said she was going to do because she believes in the rule of law. And the rule of law says 
that the government, its agents and officials are to be held to the same set of rules that enables a fair and functioning society. So it's not about, you know, you just talking about it. She's showing people that she's about it. Now, will she get reelected? I hope so. I hope people say, you know what? She was doing the right thing. But, you know, you have a lot of people out here that, like I said, they'll say Black Lives Matter, but they'll never show you that. And 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 trends and hashtags don't dismantle systemic and institutionalized racism. That's right. It takes action, real action. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said that because my, my next question to you was going to be, what are you looking to happen from this point and what type of help? are you looking to get from the people? So sometimes somebody might think that they are doing something uh, or just a post, right? But what actions would someone have to do to be helping? So right now, I will never say if I post something, like you can go on my, my Instagram page. I have official Kenneth Chamberlain Jr. on Instagram. Anything that I'm doing, I'm posting it. I'll tell you where I'm going to be, if I'm going to be on any shows. Um, one thing I'll never say, social media is wonderful. You share it out, let people see it, encourage people to watch it. The same thing with the film, encourage people to see it. But if I say I'm going to be at the federal courthouse tomorrow at three o'clock, I need people out there with me. I need people stand because you better believe the police are going to have their people That's out right. there. They're going to have their people standing out there. They're going to let them do it even while they're working and tell them, go out there in your uniform and stand there and support your fellow officers. So okay. I, I need that same type of support. I have so, no, walk up and I'm sorry, walk up and no, ask no. the mayor of White Plains if you see him. Um, do you believe that Black Lives Matter? He'll tell you absolutely. And then ask him, why are you still fighting the family of Kenneth Chamberlain Jr.? Why are you still fighting the family? Let's see what he says. He'll say absolutely nothing. Let me um, say this since you said that really quickly. I'm sorry, then I'll let you go. Um, your social medias. If that is how people are going to be able to know what you're doing, can you please give your social media right now? And I need somebody to put this in the comments. Give your Facebook and your Instagram. If this is where you're uh, posting stuff and people are going to find out what's going on, they need to know where they need to go to stay in touch with you. So can you please give your social medias? So on Instagram, I have, as I said, official Kenneth Chamberlain Jr., that is my page on Instagram. On Facebook, I have Kenneth Chamberlain Jr. I have justice for Kenneth Chamberlain Sr. I have the extrajudicial killing of Kenneth Chamberlain Sr. All of those are on Facebook. Um, on my regular Kenneth Chamberlain Jr. page, I think I have 5,000 people on there. So I can't add anybody else, but you can still follow me. Okay. okay. All right. Thank mm -hmm. you to Shauna. Thank you. Sean is one of our mods on, on, on deck here. And she's putting in, um, she's putting his social medias in there, guys. Make sure you please go and follow and support 
when something is going on, show up and tell other people to show up. Come in numbers. Come in numbers. Um, I'm sorry. I know you had it. Yes, I wanted to. I, when, I, I'm going to get to the, the part that was in the movie. I noticed that the names of the officers were not actually used. Was there a reason for that? Definitely. Um, because they call this a uh, fictional narrative um, and they are allowed to have creative licensing um, when you're putting the film together, you can't put those officers' name in there. You, you remember the old TV shows where they say the names were changed to protect the innocent because right. there's uh, pending litigation. We can't do that. Um, but I just tell people, look at the film. Look at the actual facts of the case and compare and contrast. You know, I, there was a police officer that said, oh, I heard there was inaccuracies in the movie. And I said, yeah, there was an inaccuracy in the movie. What is that? There was no Officer Rossi in the killing of <laughs> Kenneth Chamberlain. There was, not on November 19, 2011, there wasn't. There was no Officer Rossi. Because maybe if there had been, maybe my father would still be alive. Mm, okay. All right. Um, somebody, uh, DJ Cisco asked uh, you to say the officer's names. I'm not sure if you uh, want to or not, but he did ask that in one of the comments there. Um, is that something that you can do or you can't? And if you can't, that's perfectly fine. But he asked. So, so the officers that were involved in the killing of my father, you had um, the, the gentleman who shot and killed my father which was um, police officer Anthony Corelli. He was the one that shot and killed my father. Um, you have, let me see, I'll tell you right now. I can tell, I can tell you the names. Um, you have police officer Stephen Hart. Stephen Hart is no longer here with us. Stephen Hart passed away. He was the one who was alleged to have called my father the N-word. Um, that was what they said. We never said that he'd said it. Mm -hmm. They said it was him. Um, you have police officer Maurice Love, police officer Stephen Demchuk, police officer uh, Mark Markowski. Um, you had police sergeant Stephen Fertrell, uh, police sergeant uh, Keith Martin. And then you had a lieutenant by the name of James Spencer. These are all of the people who were involved um, directly or indirectly in the killing of my father. Um, and that is, and the reason I don't have a problem saying those names is because, as I said, all of that is available through freedom of information. I didn't even have to tell you that. You could have typed it in yep. and you would have seen all the names. I have it already. <laughs> okay. <Yeah>. So, <laughs> no. you know, so, you know, I'm very, I'm always very careful. Um, I always make sure that anytime I speak, I speak factually. I don't speculate. And because if you lose credibility on my side, you've lost it completely. The city right. can lose credibility and get it back. If I say something that's not correct and I lose credibility, it's just, Oh, he's the guy that lied about whatever, yep. you know? So no, I'm not going to do that. And I always say most of the time before I start, I'll say that anything that I say as it relates 
to the killing of Kenneth Chamberlain Sr. is available through freedom of information. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, Spoil it and, okay. and, and, and check it out for yourself. Um, now, outside of the cop who's died, are any of these cops still on the force? I believe all of them are retired now with their pensions, with the exception of one. I'm not sure, though. But I believe all of them are retired except for one of them. Okay. okay. Kenneth, is there anything that we didn't ask you today that you want the people to know? You know, I I'm I'm going to say no and then end up getting off with you and then say, oh shoot, I should have said that. You know? <laughs> but, <laughs> I know how that happens. You know, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just it's just so much, you know, going on that you know i'm glad you have your questions which allows me to say some of the things that i need to say but i mean if anybody is in the comments or something that wants to ask a question they can outside of you guys asking me questions i always say i'm an open book when it comes to this okay all right i did read one question i know a, a lot of comments were, were coming through um if anybody wants to ask any questions um while i just say this statement really quick y'all could put that in the comment section but i just again i want to remind people to follow kenneth chamberlain jr on all of his social medias so that you can stay informed on what's going on so that you can show up and support because at the end of the day, when it affects one, it affects us all. And if we don't speak up and stand up, it can and be one of us next, okay? And that is so true. So the minute that people just don't say nothing, then it becomes another story and another story and the same old story over and over. What we've seen from Kenneth Chamberlain Sr. was a 70-year-old man with a heart condition. He had some mental health issues. He was in the military. He was a father, an uncle, a brother, a man, a human, a soldier, and a veteran. But none of that made a difference because he was black. And that's a problem. That is a problem. And you have to remember that because if you're black, <laughs> then they're going to see you the same way. But we also want to thank those who are not black that are standing up because they're standing up for something that they know was wrong. So continue to stand up and support because it went from wellness check to murder. And that's not what was supposed to happen that day. So we have any questions? No, no, no questions. No came questions up. came up so far. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes. So they got statements in there. All right. So listen, um, I, I want to say okay. one thing to you. Um, I'm a veteran myself. I will personally, I'll give you my number after the show. You can call me. I will show up. And I encourage other veterans, especially if we have an issue with black men showing up to help you out. I, I, that's what I, I'm going to leave with there. I, I'll personally give you my number after the show and I will show up. You know, it, it, it just reminds me because you said that, you know, you're a veteran and, you know, I, I, I will definitely say thank you for your service. Um, you hear a point when my father says to them on the actual audio um, about being a Marine 
and you hear them mocking his military service. You hear them mocking the fact that he was a United States Marine. Also, something that a lot of people forget is that he was also a corrections officer to Westchester County Department of Corrections. So he was law enforcement himself. And still, none of that mattered because all they saw was a black man in a, in a, in a neighborhood that who's, who has a little higher crime rate than other areas and felt like they could treat him any way they wanted to treat him. So true and so sad. So sad. In that movie, uh, one of the cops said, no one here is going to die today. And that was not the case because we're here right now saying rest in peace to Kenneth Chamberlain Sr. And um, it's just, it's it's awful. It's awful. We're tired of we're tired of the same old story over and over again. Something definitely has to happen and we can't keep just saying it. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't know if you're tired of it and not tired in a way of not to fight anymore, but just so tired that we, we are so sick and tired of it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's over and over and over again, but when will it ever end? It's, that's really the question. So um, do you have any final words before we end the show? Um, I actually saw something come across the screen where it said, how is the rest of the family dealing with this? Um I'll say that they watch me. Um, if I'm strong, they're strong. If I fall, they'll fall. Um, my sister made a comment one day and said, I'm not as strong as you. Mm. But, you know, I told her, just take care of mommy. I got this, you know. Right. Um, she battles with it and she doesn't really talk about it that much, but she was the one that told my father to get the life aid device, you know, the device that was supposed to save him that he ended up losing his life, not because of the company itself, but because of what the device was supposed to do. Right. So I know that she battles with that. Um, but again, like I said, most of my family, they just look at me. And as long as they see me standing strong, then, you know, they're okay. But like I tell people, it's, we talk about the cry in the late night hour. And I tell people that's not the cry that's the problem. I said the cry, it's the early morning cry. It's the one when you have to get up, you have to get yourself together. You have to go to work. You have to smile. You have to be pleasant with everyone. And the whole time you're fighting all of this stuff in your head. And even when people ask you how you're doing, you just say, oh, I'm well, I'm okay. When you're really not, right? you know, and, and people can't really expect you to be dealing with something like this. But what can they really tell you? There's nothing that they can really say. And I had a, a young student at Pace University ask me, what do you say to someone who lost their parent? I said, I, I can't say anything. All I can do is stand with you. 
And if you want to laugh, we'll laugh together. If you want to cry, we'll cry together. And there's many days that I've sat in my house with my door closed with tears in my eyes so my children wouldn't see me crying, so no one else would see me crying. And then I'd get myself together and I'm back out there doing what I need to do. Because if I don't do it, who's going to? No one is going to fight harder for my father than I am. That's I right. am my father's son. So no one's going to fight harder for him than me. So when there's shows like this and you use your platform for me to come on and to speak to people, if I just get one person on board, then I did what I was supposed to do because Absolutely. it's hard. It's it. It's really hard to describe what you feel. And, and I've had a very long and difficult walk in these past 10 years and not just the loss of my father. I lost my oldest daughter yeah. in a car accident three years ago. Um, and losing a child is a, is another different feeling, you mm. know. Mm-hmm. And my sister, she was in the military too, right? Your daughter. Yes, yes. Okay. Okay. that's who you see at the end of the film. That's my that's my daughter Shanice. Um, yeah, she she died in a car accident. Mm. So um, sorry. Magically, you know. Um, and then you know you heard me say that I told my sister just take care of my mother. You know, my mother is battling with cancer right now, you know, so it's a lot, you know, but if I haven't learned anything else in this fight and I'll leave it there, I've learned what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. That's that's what I've learned, you know, because there's definitely a difference between man's law and God's law. And I tell people with all that the city have tried to do. They couldn't stop this. So this is why I say that God prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And there's nothing they could do about it. So because now people who didn't know about it know about it now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm on from the ground up. Yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Listen, Kenneth, um, we want to thank you again for coming on and sharing your story with us and taking the time out to talk to us about this. Um, Again, I want to tell everybody out there, and I'm going to keep reminding you guys to make sure you tell somebody to tell somebody and follow his social media so that you can also see what's going on so that you can show up. And I know, trust me, I get it. You probably hear that all the time because I know people here, I'll be there. And then you look and then where are people at? So forget about saying it. Just show him. Just show him. Don't worry about the talk, okay? Because people say that all day long, and then you never see him. So, um, um, again, go see the movie. Make sure y'all go support the movie. Go see it. Don't be don't be out there doing the free stuff. I know how some of some of that will be. <laughs> go out there and support the movie and um, stream it and things like that. And just know that even with all this, even with all that he is doing. It would never even bring him back. And that's the sad part because he still lost his father. 
So even with fighting from justice, so it's even further than that. Understand what this brother is trying to do. He's trying to make sure that next time it won't be you. And I'm going to end it on that note. Kenneth, thank you so much. Thank you. For coming on the show. Justice for Kenneth Chamberlain Sr. Hashtag that, but do more than just a hashtag. And that's the end of the show. show. That's right. Thank you so much, Kenneth. Thank, thank you. Thank you. You have a great night, and we will see you soon. Yes. All right. All right. We hope you enjoyed your time with From the Ground Up Productions. We'll see you next time. Be sure to add our channel to your Roku list and listen to us on all streaming platforms. From the ground up. From the ground up. There's only one way to go from here.